Welcome to Church Experience Online. We are so glad that you joined us here today. Before we head into worship, I just wanted to let you know if you have any comments, questions, prayer requests, or anything at all, please feel free to go to our website, churchexperience.tv slash connect. We would love to hear from you. All right, let's head into worship.
Father. We praise your name, the name above all other names, the name that has conquered darkness, that heals bodies and broken hearts and lives. And today we just ask that you would be with all of us here today, listening to the message you have for us, that we would open our hearts, our minds, and that our lives would be changed. We thank you and we praise you. It's in your heavenly name. I've titled today's message, I Feel Good Most of the Time. (laughs) Can you relate to that? (laughs) Most of the time? Well, we're going to be talking about today God's perfection, His absolute perfection. God is perfect. And I am fired up about today's message because I believe you're going to see God more clearly after today's message. And I hope that you'll experience his presence more freshly. And so I can't wait to get after it. I believe that today is going to be powerful. And so as we get into talking about the perfection of God, I have to begin by sharing with you some perfect, literally perfect moments that we had over this summer. It was an epic summer for our family. We went up to West Michigan where I'm from. We got to see family. We got to see some friends. And while we were there, I was preaching at Grace Adventures, which is a a camp retreat center I've been preaching at since I was 20 years old, off and on. And so it was great to be back preaching to some great people. And while I was there, a friend of mine said, hey, Brent, I heard you're in town preaching, and I want to invite your family over to our lake house. We have some water toys. Come on over. We'll have fun. And have fun we did. Oh, man. We learned to wake surf on his, behind his boat. We, we went out jet skiing on the lake behind their home. Man, we went tubing. We got the whole family out on tubes at the same time. Now, this is different than when you're in Florida because when you're in Florida and, and you're tubing, if you fall off the tube, you're looking over your back for an alligator and you're swimming as fast as you can back to that boat. But it was a little more chill that way up in, in Michigan. So enjoyed that. Man, great time. And, and while we were Grace Adventures, they said, hey, we have some horses. So we'd love to bless you guys with some free horse rides. And, and so my, my youngest daughter, Macy, She's seven, and, and this is her, like, big dream. Like, seriously, like, she's always wanted to ride on a horse. And so when they told us we could go horseback riding, she was ecstatic about it, like, so excited. And, and what she really wanted to do was ride a white horse. And they had a white horse. And so Macy got to live her dream. She got to ride that white horse. It was so cool. Right, and then, and then down here in, in Florida, we, we got to go up to, Church of the Springs in Ocala who helped start our church and just got to say thank you and preach there and what, what a gift to be at such a great church and, and to thank them for what they've done for us and with us through church experience. And, and then up in Michigan, we got to go to Mackinac Island, which was amazing and, and, and film three road trip teaching series messages and, and also go to the Silver Lake Sand Dunes. And while I was there, I got to go sand surfing, which is actually a thing. And, and it's amazing, like so insane 
flying down the side of a, a sand dune. Man, it was, it was a great summer. And if I look back at all these perfect moments, it'd, easy, it'd be easy to say to you, hey man, this is a perfect summer. And I, and I would say that because in a lot of ways, it really was perfect. <laughs> but it wouldn't be accurate for me to say it was a perfect summer. Because my summer was marked with imperfect moments. For example, on the way back from North Carolina, visiting Jennifer's family, we we head back to Florida, and as we were leaving the state, we were in a little bit of a traffic jam, and a vehicle, several vehicles in front of ours decided to turn left, no blinker, slammed on the brakes, successively caused all the cars behind it to slam on their brakes. We were one of them. We slammed on our brakes in time, thankfully, to avoid contact with the vehicle in front of us. They started moving again. I thought, okay, here we go, and we're, we're, we're creeping along, and now that we're moving, I think this is a good time to reach down and grab the, the EpiPen that fell by my feet in the first braking. And, and while I looked down to grab the EpiPen that was on the floor of the vehicle, the vehicles in front of me slammed on their brakes a second time, unknown to me. I only hear Jennifer say, hey, Brandon. And I look up just in time to just try to avoid the vehicle too late, smacked into the back of a trailer. Man, thankfully no damage to them, but it sure smashed up the front of our vehicle. And so we're into a collision repair place and insurance and deductible and renting a, a vehicle for a couple of weeks. I mean, just all, all of that, right? So just not perfect. Time, money, none of that stuff that you want to go through in an accident. Thankfully, everybody's okay. But man, just really smashed it up. And so, wow, that was imperfect, right? And, and, I, and I think of the filming of the messages that we did for church experience while we were in Michigan. It was great to kind of bring some of that in and get to preach while we were out of town on vacation. I love doing that, but, but we had a, a timeline that we were trying to fit it within, and the first day just didn't go as planned. It was way too windy, and, 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 we, and we couldn't get a good shot, and we had to actually end up refilming it. And, and not only did we have to refilm it, so we lost a whole part of our day, but but some of our equipment blew out into Lake Michigan. So it was just gone. We couldn't get it back. And so it's like, man, seriously. And so that jammed up the next day of filming. We had to fit in two messages the next day and drive several hours to where we were headed up to Mackinac Island. So left us with almost no time. There was downtime. It was pretty much full on the whole day, unlike we had planned. And, you know, so, so busy. We're racing sunset, racing daylight hours that by the end of the day, we realized when we got off the island, we got back in our vehicles and we we're ready to head to the next city that we're going to. We realized that we hadn't even fed our, our kids a meal yet. And so it's like, it's like, you know, around midnight and we're looking around Mackinac City, like, is there any place here in Michigan that's still open so we can get some dinner for our kids and get some food. We're all hungry. That's our family. A couple of the people that were there filming, we were all starving and we, we just stumbled upon a restaurant that was open and we go inside and wow. I mean, this unexpected adventure, taxidermy, animals, all of the walls, beautiful restaurant lights. I mean, it was cool. And we're like, Hey, we just, we've been happy with anything at this point, but this is, this is great. So we sit down, we get comfortable. We're tired. We're hungry. We've been grinding the last two days and and so we're ready to eat, and we're looking at the menu, all the good stuff, looking around at the environment, thinking this is going to be so much fun. And then the manager comes up to us and says, hey, guys, I'm sorry. It's closing time. We're not going to be able to serve you. <laughs> right, right about the time when you can taste the food in your mouth. And, and he was so gracious. He offered to, to send some food with us as we left and embarked on our multi-hour journey to the next city. And we crashed, got four hours of sleep. Next day, we're filming again up on a sand dune. We're hot, we're sweaty. Kids are running around. We're trying to get this thing filmed. We got a, a couple people flying out that afternoon. They're, they head back to Florida. So we're like, man, we got to get this done. And, and, and man, I'm trying to stay out of the sun. And oh man, it's, 
it's intense. And then the, the sand surfing board, yeah, I showed you that was, that was cool, but man, it's laying off to the side and we were so focused on filming, the kids were distracted and, and a couple people came up and they, they stole the sandboard. No, no kidding, they literally stole the sandboard. We thankfully got it back, but man, I just, it wasn't perfect. That's all I'm trying to say, it wasn't perfect. And certainly there were perfect moments in my summer, but there were also many imperfect moments. And, and that, that microcosm of my summer is really a, a macro expression of what my whole life really has been like. There's, there's sprinkled in these amazing and what you might call perfect moments, but then there's, there's also these imperfect seasons <laughs> spread out throughout my life that, that, that taint the perfection that I almost felt like I had and attained and and it evaporates as quickly as it comes with these imperfections. And, 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 I, and I know you can relate to the same. If it's not something outside your life that's imperfect and breaking down, it's, it's certainly something inside that feels imperfect and is breaking down. And, and, and we've, we've learned this lesson. I want you to write it down as we, as we move forward in this message today is that, that I have perfect moments, but, but I still see perfection. I still see imperfection. I have perfect moments, but I still see imperfection. Things are not as they should be. When I, when I look at the scope of life and the world, things are not as they should be. There's, there's amazing sunsets and beautiful smiles and romantic dinners and conversations with friends, but then there's, there's tragedies and wars and, and poverty, and it's just it's a mixed bag of perfection and imperfection. Psalm 119 verse 96 says, to all perfection, I see a limit. So in other words, there's a hard stop. There's a limit on the perfection that we see, that we experience here in this life. So we know our limits, but what about God? Notice in 2 Samuel chapter 22 verse 31. Notice it says, as for God, his way is perfect. Come on, help me preach today. Somebody say perfect. That's right, perfect. He's, he's perfect. And it says the Lord's word is flawless. So, so God, you, your ways are flawless. Your word is flawless. Your truth is flawless. God, you are literally and absolutely perfect in every way. Where our perfection here on earth, it knows limits. Our perfection has limits. We may have perfect moments, but we are absolutely not perfect. But God, you, God, you are perfect in all of your ways. In every single way, at every single time, in every single moment, God, you are perfect. Just think about that. That's your God who is who is perfect with no limits. And it's, it's not that he's, you know, mostly amazing. <laughs> he's kind of incredible, like some of the time. He's, he's there for you a majority of the days. It's not like that at all, is it? I mean, he is, he is consistently perfect. Write that down. God is consistently perfect. In this teaching series, we're looking at the different attributes of God and who he is. And, and I just want to say this, like God is absolutely perfect. That's it's who he is. He's absolutely perfect. Which means he has and he is the perfect solution for you. That means he has perfect love for you. He has perfect joy for you. He has the perfect hope for you and the perfect plan for your life. God is consistently perfect. 
perfect in character. You can trust him. He's perfect in all of his ways. And part of our purpose as humans is, is to praise God and his divinity. That's, that's part of his plan for us and our humanity is to praise the divinity for who he is. Out of our per imperfection arise perfect praises to God. It's, it's, it's beautiful to him because we're singing about who he is. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse, verse 3. It says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect. Come on, help me again. Say perfect. That's right, perfect. And, and it's perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just he is. We praise God for his perfection. We praise him for being just and caring and loving and kind. And, and, and he's all of those things and more. But here's what's amazing to me today. He's all those things all the time. Literally perfect and consistent in all of his ways, all of the time, in every aspect of who he is. He's consistently perfect. You know, if you just look at God's creation, you can see glimpses of his perfection all over the place. So if you're to look up at the sky and see a total solar eclipse, where the, the moon positions itself right in front of the sun, just perfectly overlays the sun. Total solar eclipse. It's, it's marvelous. They're rare, unique. Maybe you've seen one. Perhaps you've seen pictures of them. It's, it's, it's truly incredible. And you could look at a moment like that and say, well, that is, that is perfect. And, but have you ever stopped to like think about like how that's even possible? Because although when the, the, the moon overlays the sun, they looked exactly the same size, they're not the same size, are they? No, not at all. If you, if you studied this at all, you know that the, that the sun is massively bigger than the moon. In fact, it's, it's, it's approximately 400 times larger than the moon is. Imagine that, 400 times larger than the moon. So why is it that the moon can perfectly overlap the sun? Like, like literally, exact. Why is that? It's because the moon is approximately 400 times closer to Earth's surface than the sun. So the, the moon is way closer, the sun is way bigger, and when they come together, it's, it's truly perfect, the overlap. Total solar eclipse. They tell us that there's this thing called lunar drift. You could geek out on this and learn about it. They, they say, I don't know how they measure this, but they say about an inch and a half per year is, is how far the, the, the moon is moving away from Earth. An inch and a half a year. It's been up to eight, nine inches. But over, they say, hundreds of millions of years, the, the moon is drifting away from the Earth. And, and so the a solar eclipse, for example, it, wouldn't, it won't always be like it is now and it hasn't always been the way it is now because if you multiply it, secular scientists will tell you hundreds of millions of years ago it wasn't this way and it won't be this way in hundreds of millions of years. And we just happen to be, I read one scientist said, we just happen to live and exist at this point in our evolution, at, at this point in, in time, when, when the moon is at the stage it's at and we get to enjoy it, it just so happens that we're here at this time in this place. And I think, man, you, you're, you're putting the impossible on top of the impossible. It's enough, it's enough to say 
that all of what we see and experience in the world, the beauty of zebras and the majesty of waterfalls and sunsets and sunrises and all of that, that that just happened. The complexity of the body just happened out of nothing. I mean, it's enough to say that alone. But then to say that all of that happened by accident, out of a black hole somewhere, and now we have what we have, but also the perfection of something like a total solar eclipse, the sun that warms us, the moon that gives us light at night, that that perfectly revolve, and and all of that just happened to be perfect. Like right now at this time and place, the, the math of that is insane. It's not possible. All the planets just happens to be here and at this time. I mean, just, I mean, come on. Come on. God is perfect. He's our creator, an intelligent designer, perfect. And perfect is really just a wrapper for God, for who he is. Because there's so many facets of perfection underneath that word perfect. It's a label. Because you could get into the, the mind of God, the intellect of God. God is, God is intelligent. He's all wise, right? I mean, just think of the knowledge of God. It's It outnumbers the grains of sand on the seashore. His perspective is beyond time. We can't even fathom, literally we can't even fathom or imagine God's wisdom. It's part of his perfection. But there's the part of God's perfection that has to do with his strength. He's also all powerful. He's all powerful. Not only is he all knowing, but he's he's all powerful. So the, the strength of God, his might, He's stronger than anything. No matter what you face in life, he's bigger than that. He's big enough to create a world and spin the earth out into the galaxy and cause the the tides to to happen just as they do and the the sun to, to give us warmth during the day and then we get sleep at night. I mean, just all of that, just so perfect. The seasons, everything that he marked out just right, the perfection of God, the power, the wisdom working together. But then you have the heart of God, another part of his perfection. The heart of God, the compassion of God for you. The passion of God. He sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Jesus' passion so clearly on the cross for you. I mean, it's a perfect love that he has for you, which means he knows how to love you perfectly. When you place your faith in him and he adopts you into his family, it means that, that he knows how to parent you perfectly. It makes the right mixture of care and compassion, discipline and consequence, yet with grace and mercy, guidance and challenging us at moments and enjoying other moments and rest with us. I mean, he's, he's literally perfect and he knows how to care for you perfectly. Come on, this is your God, a God who is completely and consistently perfect, perfect in all of his ways. Can we just take 15 seconds and just praise God for who he is? Come on, let's, let's clap our hands. Let's praise him. Come on, that's right. He's perfect. He's perfect in all of his ways. He's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. That's who he is. That's what he does. And that's encouraging. It really is encouraging to know that God is, is perfect but then I come across verses in the New Testament, like Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says a, a statement. It's really shocking in verse 48. Knowing what we know about our lives, how imperfect they are, he says, be perfect. <laughs> be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
So we've already talked about how God is perfect, and we've talked about how imperfect we are, yet here you have right in the middle Jesus saying, hey, listen, be perfect, and, and not just any kind of perfection, because we might be able to say, well, okay, he's not really saying be perfect, absolutely perfect, but he, he adds on to that to clarify what he says. He says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. <laughs> God is consistently perfect. We've just said that. So Jesus here sounds like he's given us an impossible task. Like I have no idea how I'm supposed to be perfect. Like my heavenly father is perfect. So I'm encouraged that God is perfect, but I'm discouraged when I look at my life because I see perfection inside of me and I see perfection all around me. So where does that leave me? There's there's imperfection everywhere. The college I went to, they were unveiling a, a new statue. They, they got a bronze statue of John Wesley, this iconic preacher that the school was named after, and it was a big deal. The president, professors, students were going to be there. It was a big moment, and kind of word got around on this, and so a couple college students decided it'd be fun to sneak in the night before and sneak under the veil and leave a little surprise on the statue that was to be unveiled the next day, and that's exactly what they did. So the next day, the big moment comes. You know, hundreds of people in attendance. There's there's college students, college professors, the president, and all the, all the important people up on stage. And they're, they're, they're about to unveil this amazing statue. And it's a, it's a significant mile marker in the school's history. It's a, it's a big moment. It's special. There's music playing. The crowd is ready to erupt in applause. And they, they unveil the statue. And there, this, this John Wesley statue there preaching this bronze, beautiful statue with boxer shorts over his face. <laughs> Of course, some people didn't like this. Some people laughed. And it's definitely a moment, whether it was a good or bad moment. It was a moment that will live on forever in their history. What happens when you unveil the human heart? What do you find there? Well, just look inside, look in the mirror. You, you know what you find there. You find all sorts of things that are not perfect. You find pride. You find greed. You find lust. You find self-centeredness. You find all kinds of evil behavior and evil thoughts and evil ways and imperfections. And they at times may be extreme and many other times they may not be extreme. They may say, well, this is just par for the course. Everybody's like this. Nobody's perfect. And so we write it off. Well, I'm not perfect. Ideally, I would probably be on my game and I'd probably be a little better, but I'm not perfect. Yet Jesus says, be perfect in all of your ways and be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And what I'm realizing as I, I study God's word is that not only am I imperfect, but it's not possible for me to fulfill every command that God has asked me to fulfill in my own power. Even on my best days, I can't be like God desires for me to be. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So like the the very best thing that you can do on your very best day, the most perfect moment that we can have, what we think is our perfect, even how we attempt to follow God and live for him. I mean, even just our best righteousness. Hey, I'm going to try to follow all the laws and try to do things just right. Like, Like our best fall short of God's perfect standards. It's just, it's not perfect. That is absolutely clear in the Bible. And and write this down. Sin stole my ability to live a perfect life. 
That's, that's what God's saying. It's like sin stole my ability to live a perfect life. The, the Bible's just making that clear. You can't do it. There's, there's a perfect standard that God expects. Jesus said, be perfect. But, but we can't, can we? We cannot live a perfect life. Sin stole our ability to do that. And some of us have a keener awareness of that than others. But I think we're all aware of our, our sin. And it brings us low when we think about it. Humbles us. One father looking at his, his son playing video games all day, he said, hey son, you know, I want, I want more for you than that. And, you know, you, you're sitting there playing video games all day, but just think of, think of someone like Abraham Lincoln. You know, President Lincoln, when he was your age, he wasn't playing video games all day. He was reading. He was working on projects. I mean, come on. And, and, and the son looked back at his, his dad respectfully yet truthfully, and he said, yeah, but dad, when Lincoln was your age, he was president of the whole country. <laughs> so, like, so what's up? You know, it's, like, you know it's, it's, it's a painful thing when you become aware of what you're not that you could be. When you, when you fall short of the expectation, the standard, that you're, you're, you realize that you're less than what you could have been, less than your potential. Le- you, you've not maximized your life. You've not fulfilled all your potential. You've fallen short of God's standard. It can be a moment that really brings you low. And, and in our low moments, let's be honest, it's, it's, a heavy, it's a heavy weight to bear. That internal sigh, I didn't measure up. I wasn't enough. I didn't get it right. Remember the last time you felt like that? When you saw your imperfections face to face? It can be a low moment. It can be a, it can be a rough road. But unfortunately, this is not new news to you. But it is very bad news. The sin has ruined our otherwise perfect life. I mean, God created perfection in the garden and we've, we've ruined it through sin. It's not new news, but it is bad news. But here's, here's the good news. Here's, here's the good news. God is, God is a God of grace. God is a God of love. God is a God of compassion. And when he saw you in your sin and your imperfections and your rebellious ways pushing him away, God loved you so much that he, he came down in the form of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. And he lived a perfect life, setting not only for you a model of an example of how we should live, how we should have lived, how we could have lived if it were not for sin, setting an example for us, but more importantly, come, coming to live a perfect life so that he could die on the cross for your sins, taking on the wrath of God, the punishment for your sins. And Jesus, only because he was perfect, could take on your sin because he didn't have any of his own. When examined by God, the word tells us that he was without sin. In fact, even, even by human examination, Pilate, the prefect of this part of the Roman Empire that oversaw Judea, the prefect, the governor of this whole land, Pontius Pilate, he had Jesus brought before him. He examined him and then he came to the people and he said this in John 19. He says, once more Pilate came out and he said to the Jews gathered there, look, I am bringing him out. I'm bringing Jesus out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Upon examination by God and man, Jesus was found 
to be without sin. He was innocent. Yet the people, the, the Jews that, whose religion he had disrupted, they shouted all the louder, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And that's exactly what they did. And he hung there on the cross willingly, painfully, gracefully for you so that if you receive him in your life, you can find freedom. Freedom from the punishment of sin, which is eternal, eternal separation from God in heaven. Not that you won't experience some of those consequences here on earth. This won't be a perfect ride here on earth. But that you can't escape the wrath of God that was pending you, that you would have spent all eternity paying the debt for your sin. Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for your sin. How amazing is that? There's no better news on earth that Jesus paid the price for your sin. And he said, if you receive me into your life, you can take on my righteousness. He lived that righteous life. And so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see that imperfect, unrighteous person, that sinful, rebellious person that had been running around before Jesus. No, when he looks at you, when you receive Jesus into your life and experience his grace, he looks and he sees that covering over your life. Jesus Christ, we have a fancy theological term for this. We call it the imputed righteousness of Christ. That, that through this miraculous and supernatural thing that has happened through Jesus' death on the cross for you, when you place your faith in him and receive Jesus into your heart for the payment, the atonement of, of your sin, Jesus, he comes not only into your life, but he covers your life and his righteousness is over you. And when Jesus looks at you, he sees the Jesus in you and he sees the righteousness of Christ in your life and you're forgiven, you're made right, and, and now your position is righteous. Not all your ways, not, not everything that you do will be righteous. You can still sin and fall short, just like a child who's been adopted into a loving home. They're still gonna, they're still gonna revert to some of their, their, their ways. You know, maybe the, before they were taught the family rules. Hey, here's how we eat with a, a knife and a fork. Here's how, we, here's how we behave in this family. And that, they may have had great manners, but there's there gonna be some things that are different now in this, this family. Here's how we do things in this home. And, they're still going to have days where they revert to their old ways, but they're not kicked out of the family, are they? They're not expelled. They're not, they don't lose their seat at the table. But although your position is secure in Christ, your position is righteous in Christ, there's, you still have these imperfect days. And so there's this other, there's this other path of, of teaching in, in Scripture. To, to be blameless, to be righteous, to be perfect. There's a path that we're supposed to walk, a path that does not lead us to righteousness before God. We've already covered that. There's absolutely no way on earth that you can, in your own ways, in your own works, become righteous in God's sight. It just is not possible. We've already covered that. Our best days, our best days will never add up to be righteous in our position before God. We just can't. But once you experience the radical salvation through Christ that's offered to you, this free gift of grace, and you receive it, you, you receive that position of righteousness through, through repentance, through, through acceptance of Christ, through receiving him into your life and confession of your sin, this, this supernatural transaction that we call salvation. From that point on, we're, we're told to live righteous lives make righteous choices. So there's this growth that happens. No, notice this fascinating verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. It says, for by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, made perfect forever those who are being made holy. 
So the whole conversation summarized here in this verse, Jesus made us perfect in Christ. That's our position now is perfect in Christ before God. We're, we're perfect in him. That's amazing. But notice that it says we're being made holy. So, so even though we are perfect in Christ, we're not yet a completed work. We're not yet holy in all of our ways. We still sin from time to time. We still fail God and we still fall short. We are not blameless in all of our activities. Although in our position in Christ, we may be perfect and righteous. Listen, we still have to grow in that grace. We, we grow. It's, it's the process of sanctification. Becoming more like Jesus every day, growing, becoming more righteous and blameless. This is, this is the journey of following him. And, and you know, I, I look back at different seasons of my life and I just have that, you know, that anguish inside of, you know, from my imperfections. I, I remember 20 years old, 21 years old, going into a pastor's meeting I'd been invited to with my dad was there. He's been a pastor at the same church for about 30 years. And there's all these other pastors around this, this rectangular shape table and there's an opening in the middle. We're all facing each other. We're there for a retreat. I'm, I'm 20 years old. I, I was the youngest guy in the room, got invited. You know, I showed up late, to be honest. So I was already a little embarrassed. And I, I, I come into the meeting. They're already started. And I have my stack of books we were supposed to bring. And I have a device on the top. And I'm coming in 20 years old, 21 years old, coming in late, embarrassed. Want, to, want my dad to be proud of me. Want, want to do my best here in this meeting. I set the books down on the table. But somehow I stumble and the books and the device fall off the table down into the center, this hole in the middle of this table. And, and they're just there lying on the ground. I've now made a massive disruption. Everybody in the meeting stopped looking at me who's come in late. My stuff's in the middle on the floor. I'm there, a young man here with all these men. And I have to humble myself and climb under the table, gather my belongings while everyone's watching climb back underneath the table and gather myself. I was so humiliated. I still, like, I have that dead sigh when I think about that moment still, like, all these years later. I know you have a lot of moments like that, too, and I, I have worse moments, and I have moments that weren't that bad, but there's a lot of moments that were imperfect, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's what our journey's been. But here's what I'm encouraged with. I'm no longer the same Brandon I used to be. Even though I'm not the Brandon that I can be, that I should be, that I, that I will be in Christ one day, even though I'm not there yet, I'm no longer who I used to be. And the same is true for you, right? As you're following Jesus, take, take encouragement today. When you see the imperfections of your life, I feel good most of the time on those days when you, you don't feel so good and life's not going well. Maybe you failed and you feel insignificant, discouraged, Things have fallen apart in you or around you. Listen, just look back in the rearview mirror at what Jesus has done. Look at all that he's accomplished in your life, the, your position in Christ, secure, perfect in him. And, and, and look at how far you've come. You're, you're not who you used to be, even though you're not who you should be yet. You're not who, who you used to be either. So keep, keep stepping, keep journeying with him, keep growing. Allow the, the, the righteousness of Christ to continue to grow in your life. Even though you are righteous in him, you can still live a more righteous life through your actions, and so keep moving toward him. Keep growing in your faith. So all of this conversation today about the gospel and how we receive this great gift of God and our imperfections and how we can strive our best, best we can here on earth to become more like Jesus, even though we'll fall short. I wanna point this last and final point out today, write it down. God 
is better. That's it. That's what I'm really trying to say. God is better. God's better than whatever it is that you're chasing today. God is better. He's perfect in all of his ways. So whatever it is that you're chasing today and living for, God is better than that. If it's, if it's not him that you're living for, I'm just redirecting you to where perfection exists and it exists only in, in, in Jesus. And, and so he's better. He's, he's perfect. He's better. And whatever it is that you want out of life and no matter how bad that you want it today, listen, he is better. He's absolutely better and perfection exists in him and, and, and whatever you think is good here on this earth and whatever you want, listen, he's better than that. And so pursue his presence. Pursue a relationship with him. Grow in your walk with him. Get closer to him. Spend more time with him because he's better. If you want your life to get better, then get around the one who is better. Get around Jesus. Get around the one who has power to change and transform your life. Get around the one who has the perfect grace for you and the perfect love for you and the perfect joy for your soul. Listen, he is better. He is better. Come on, can we praise him today? Come on. He's better. He's perfect. That's who he is. He's better. Come on, let's pray together today. God, we thank you. We praise you for your perfection. We praise you for who you are today. We love you today, God. And we just thank you so much that you loved us even in our imperfections. God, in our worst days and the worst of our imperfections, our sin, as we pushed you away, God, you drew in. You reached out your hand of grace to us, extended through Jesus, hanging on a cross for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you didn't leave us spiraling down into sin and consequence, but you, you reached out your hand of mercy to us to help us find what our souls really wanted and needed. And that's you, the perfect love from a perfect father. You're a good father. You're so good to us. And we just proclaim your goodness today. We rest in your grace today. And in our imperfections, we thank you that Jesus, you cover it all. So may we, out of love for you, continue to strive to be as perfect as we possibly can, knowing we won't fully measure up in our humanity, but trusting in the grace of your divinity. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray today. Amen. Thank you guys so much for worshiping and being a part of the message with us today. Uh, week two of the God Is message series. I so look forward to seeing you guys in week three and the following messages as we get to experience who and what God is to us and in our lives. And it's just really impactful. Before we head out here today, though, I just want to remind you guys to go to churchexperience.tv connect if you have any comments, questions, or if you have any prayer requests. With that being said, you guys have a wonderful and God-filled week. God bless.